and welcome to She's the Boss Chats. I'm your host, Jules Brooke, and in the show, I interview amazing women and female founders about what it is that they're doing and why they're doing it. It's all about us lifting up the women around us. Okay, Katrina McCarter, it is so lovely to have you on the She's the Boss Chats podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest. Absolutely delighted to be here and having the opportunity to chat with you, Jules. Oh, no, my absolute pleasure. So this is all about you and I'm as nosy as all get out. But let's start with what you're doing now. So can you tell us what you do and sort of why you're doing it, what you're doing right now? Yeah, absolutely. So I'm a marketing and partnership strategist and um, there's probably two things that I do, but the thing that's real, I'm I'm known for marketing to mums, but what I'm really getting into at the moment is um, teaching small business owners and entrepreneurs how to identify and create um, and negotiate. Oh God, can we start that again? That was terrible. Absolutely. Just take a break and just go straight in. Yep. Let's go. Three, two, one. So, Katrina, just tell me, what is it that you're doing right now? What 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 is your business all about? Yeah, absolutely. So, I'm a marketing and partnership strategist, and I'm known for two businesses. My first one is Marketing to Mums, which is a, a consultancy that helps businesses attract more mothers to their business. And the second thing that I'm known for is a business called Partnership Mastery, and that's all about teaching uh, small business owners the power of partnerships so that they can really go out and nail their own partnerships and get to where they're going much faster. I love that. I mean, I just think partnerships are so important, particularly when you're starting out and you don't necessarily have a lot of money, but also as you're growing, you know, that if you can hook in with someone else and and sort of both piggyback onto audiences that are looking for the similar things, then it just can be magic. Well, I actually discovered partnerships in my very first year of doing business. So this is my 10th year in business now. But in my very first year of business, I I invested $300 in a print ad and it absolutely gave me crickets. And I just may as well have thrown the 300 bucks out the window of my car as I drove down the road. And um, I called up another woman who was running um, a, a an online parenting community. And, you know, we kind of shared and exchanged our, our, our startup stories for, for what we were doing. And, and off the cuff, I just said, hey, if I, if, would you like to run a joint competition together where people could sign up to both of our newsletters? And she went, yes, I am in. And she said, how about we get a third person? And so I reached out to what was the largest parenting community in Australia at the time. And I said, hey, would you be interested in joining the two of us in running this big joint competition if I could get a really fantastic prize? And she went, you know what, I'm in. And so I spent, you know, a couple of weeks negotiating two Thermomixes. And we're talking back in 2012 where Mm. Thermomixes were the hottest thing in town. And um, we ran a 10-day joint competition between the three businesses. And I added more than 7,000 
new members to um, my community. And I could not believe um, just how successful it was. So if I had tried to do that via paid advertising, it would have cost me in excess of $10,000. And this activity just cost me 50 bucks in some graphics and my time to negotiate the prize sponsor and, and organise the other two players. And this was an absolute revelation for me. And so what I went was, how can I replicate this? And basically I worked, I collaborated with other fabulous women and their communities where we shared the same common audience. We weren't in competition to each other. And most importantly, we also had the same business ethics. So um, uh, that was incredibly successful for me. And in my first business, I created a community of 150,000 mums across Australia. I know. And that's when I met you. I remember you moving over from Perth, but let's not get ahead of ourselves because I want you to take us on that journey. Um, Was there a a bit of a light bulb moment for you about setting up this course though and and deciding to help other people with partnerships? Was that thing 10 years ago? Was there something recent that made you go, no, I'm going to get back into it now? It was something more recently. So um, I've always done partnerships as a way of growing my businesses. So my first business was Bubbler, it was a family deal site. And then my second business, which was marketing to mums. And I've really someone who who runs a lean organisation. I, I don't have a whole lot of expenses. Um, I'm always looking for when I'm trying to do something is who else is is trying to communicate with this same audience and how could we collaborate together for mutual gain. And what was happening was I started getting a whole lot of business, small business owners and entrepreneurs kind of tap me on the shoulder and say, hey, could you negotiate a couple of partnerships for me? Yeah. And for me, it was like, yeah, well, I can. I mean, I do that under marketing to mums. Um, but I would love to actually teach you how to do it because once you know how to do it, their whole mind is blown and there are so many new opportunities that they can create for their business. So I'd much prefer to teach someone than do it for them. And so uh, just over two years ago, I, um, you know, it was one of my mentors said, Katrina, you have to do something with this partnership stuff. You're getting so many people asking you. And I was like, yes, but it it's not in line with my marketing to mum's focus. And I went, you know what, I'm going to trial it anyway. So for the past two years, I've been running a program uh, where I'm teaching people that the framework that I use to ne- to uh, to negotiate my own partnerships. And uh, it's proven to be really, really successful. And so I went, you know what, um, I, particularly over COVID, I found that there was so much interest because people have a reduced budget. They need to be doing more with less. Um, and that's all what partnerships are about. So I had so much interest and I ran a number of the programs last year that I went, okay, I'm all in. So um, I've launched Partnership Mastery and uh, that will be uh, my key focus in 2021. Well, I love a pivot, to use a word that everyone hates, but I do love it. And also the other thing is I'm a huge fan of teaching people Mm. how to do things themselves because I just think it empowers them. And it also means they can learn with you now and then they'll have that skill that they can use for the rest of their lives. And that's you know, that's where I guess the beautiful thing comes in when you actually learn how to do And I get a real kick out of that as well from watching them then kind of find what really works for them and then seeing them just replicate it over and over again. And it's just like, yes. 
It's so, I know, it's so sort of, oh, good, I just love it. Okay, so let's talk all about you. I don't know very much about your background pre-bubbler and we'll explain um, what bubbler was as we go through. So, I don't know, Katrina, let's start with Katrina in high school. <laughs> Where did you grow up and uh, what did you do after you left Well, I grew up in Perth and uh, I grew up with a single mum and she was just so adamant that I knew how to make money and manage money. And so I was trained in cash flow management like from year seven or eight. So in my, like she was full on in my first, my mum's always walked to the beat of her own drum and always done things differently. I've got a younger brother. So, um, but um, because I was a woman uh, and um, she wanted to make sure that I absolutely knew um, how to make and manage money. So from year eight, I used to have to submit a budget um, every term for any one of my projected expenses. So whether that was um, school books, school uniform, going to a movie with my girlfriends or getting a new pair of jeans, it all had to be budgeted for a term in advance. She would then issue, I would yeah. submit my budget, she'd look over it. She'd then issue me the money and I would have to manage it. So for me, whilst my girlfriends were, you know, worrying about, you know, what to do on the weekend, I was stressing about whether I was going to have enough cash in the bank for for, for camp um, to, to pay pay the camp bill coming up. So I did that from, from the age of 13. Wow, Katrina, I love your mum. <laughs> I just love her. Wow. I mean, it sounds harsh, but what great life skills for her. Yeah, absolutely. You. And uh, the other thing that she enabled of me, which was massive in my thinking, was uh, she enabled me to reach a, a dream that I had really early in life. So when I turned 14, I decided that New York was my calling. I loved everything about this this city. And I used to keep a scrapbook and bore my girlfriend silly every day at school. I would take, I'd open up my scrapbook at recess and lunchtime and show them all the all the wonderful places that I was going to go in New York and all the things that I was going to do. So my auntie moved there. We're from the goldfields originally, my family, and uh, she left uh, at 23 and never came home. And she uh, ended up in New York at the age of about 24, 25, and she's now been there for well over 40 years. And um, she's created this incredible life for herself. And every year, um, her presents would arrive for Christmas. And without question, it was always better than Father Christmas, whatever Father Christmas bought. We always used to wait for our Bloomingdale's boxes and the Saks Fifth Avenue boxes. So for me, it was this really amazing place that uh, that was so fancy and glamorous. So um, I decided that was that was for me. And I got a job at Kentucky Fried Chicken at the age of 14. The minute I was able to, I worked for $3.28 an hour and I got enough. I think I had needed $1,800 to get my fare. And at 16, I went, I've got it. I've got my fare. I'm off. I'm going. And mum said, I don't think so. And for me, that was absolutely (laughs) crushing because for two years, remember, I've been taking my scrapbook to school every day and showing people all of these things and and working, stinking a chicken. (laughs) And um, after four days of locking myself away in my room, she knocked on the door and she said, I'm coming too. And 
And oh, so wow. we went off for our first, you know, my first trip was a three-week trip over there. And that for me, realising that I could set a goal, um, go off and earn the money and chase it and make it happen, really gave me a message that I could do anything that I really set my mind to. If I wanted something badly enough that I would find the way. And so that has been really instrumental in my learning. So that was a really great thing that mum enabled me to do. So tell me about the trip. You got to go. What did I you did do? I did so much. Um, oh, look, I mean, I, I uh, my auntie, uh, her partner actually owns a jazz label. So we spent a lot of time in jazz clubs and um, right. he used to look after a really amazing uh, jazz pianist called Chris Anderson. So I had the opportunity to take Chris. Chris was blind and crippled and an amazing uh, jazz pianist and we would take him to his gigs on Friday and Saturday night. So I had this really interesting um, at Spirit very unique experiences that I, I never would have had um, growing up in Perth. Wow, I can just imagine. Okay, so you go in when you're 16 yep. to New York, you come back and you must have been like, oh, back to Perth in high school. You are <laughs> so right, Jules. So what happened next was as soon as school finished, within three weeks I moved to Melbourne. I I. I was right. Why not well, I, I needed. I, I felt I needed a stepping stone, so I I headed to I had headed to Melbourne first. My dad lived there, so my parents yep. were split. So, yep. um, I had the opportunity to uh, to set up digs in North Carlton, and um, I lasted about six months at uni, and then was really. <laughs> wonderful nightclubs that are on offer um, around Mel- Melbourne's oh, yes. nightlife. That for me was Bright Lights, Big City. And, um, you know, I got a job and stuff. And probably at the age of about 20, a girlfriend wrote a letter to me and she said, you know, I've just finished my first degree and I'm starting my second one. And that for me was a real turning point where I said, okay, it's time to settle down and get organised. So I went straight off and did my business degree. I did a, a major in marketing um, and I I did that back in Perth and I actually got to go to the Academy of Performing Arts as well. So the thought for me of doing a minor in accounting or, you know, management really didn't turn it turn me on in any way. So I approached the Academy of Performing Arts, Whopper back in Perth and said, you know, could I could I do a minor um, in in arts management? So I did that and my Never. big dream was that I wanted to get through my uni days without having to waitress. So I negotiated working for um, a WA art dealer and I had some wonderful experiences uh, with a lot of the Fitzroy Crossing artists. Uh, I met a lot of the Aboriginal elders um, and had some wow. really, really wonderful times uh, uh, promoting emerging WA artists all through uh, my uni days. How fantastic. I love you. You've got so much initiative. Okay, so what happened next? You left uni and what did you do? Uh, moved, to Mel- moved back to Melbourne and um, right. met my husband over a flaming Lamborghini in what? Did, hang on. How did that happen? <laughs> friend. Uh, we both shared a mutual friend uh, who was getting together for his birthday. And, uh, you know, it was an evening of, of flaming Lamborghinis and B-52s um, back in back in the day. 
I remember yeah. those days. <laughs> um, in Harley's Cocktail Lounge in, in Burke Street. So um, I then moved into the grocery industry. So I became, I, uh, I was part of their graduate program at Mars Pet Care. So I started my professional okay. life out on the road selling Powell and Whiskers to the supermarkets all over Victoria. And that was really amazing because Mars is, isn't, Mar- well, correct me if I'm wrong, isn't it based out of Ballarat? So, Mars Confectionery is Ballarat, Mars Care is Wodonga and Master Foods, which is also part of the the company, is based up in a regional town in uh, in Terrigal. So uh, Mars had a belief in having regional towns. So if you were in sales, you were allowed to be in in a city. So... So being in sales, I was based out of Melbourne and uh, that was a really great opportunity for me to learn how to sell and to also learn how a marketing campaign and um, and actually enables you to, to sell a product. So it, w- it was really interesting. And from there, I moved um, over to Arnott's Biscuits and I ran uh, the, part of the Victorian sales team. So I had a team of about 70. Um, wow, Katrina, that's incredible. How old were you then? Really, I was probably um, my mid-20s, 20, 20. That's 20, huge. 70 staff. Yeah, so that was a team of, I think I had 10, I had 10 sales reps and they had, um, and then we had a team of 60 uh, merchandisers. So um, that, that was really, really interesting. And then I got lured back to Mars Pet Care and that was to run supermarket accounts. So I ran the, I don't know if anyone remembers listening in, uh, the Bilo supermarkets. So I used I remember them well. They're not that long ago. It was probably in the last 10 years they went under, wasn't it, or, or moved into Yeah, so, um, so I looked after the Barlow Stores National and then I got um, promoted and I used to look after the Coles, um, the Coles account, which was probably doing on, on well in excess of $150 million every year. So I was negotiating deals, um, emotional deals yeah. of Powell and Whiskers um, in with Coles and also negotiating shelf space and things like that. So that, Which, again, is a great grounding for you in terms of, you know, not only how the marketing works but also how fast-moving consumer goods work, how retail And works. I love that. Just yeah, so I love that for the pace. And it was really, as I said earlier, it's really interesting to see how the marketing uh, strategies flow through in terms of the sell-in to the buyer and then the sell-out to the consumer. So it was it was really great grounding for me. Um, but for me, I always yeah. wanted to own my own business. That was kind of kind of something that I was I was really really keen to do. And uh, for me, uh, whilst I was at Mars Pet Care, I had my first child and I quit. quit. Right. Often a moment where you start to reconsider Sure did. Let's, um, but for me, I realised <laughs> that uh, being on tap for a buyer was going to be fairly uh, difficult when um, uh, with a child. And um, I took, I moved into a part-time role where I was looking after warehouses for uh, all the Coles um, uh, distribution centres. And for me, it okay. wasn't as exciting. And um, my husband said to me one day, hey, do you want to go back to Perth for a year? And, you know, you can just have a career, you know, have a career break. And I went, yep, let's do it. So we kind of left uh, soon after. I then went on and had an 
And it was great. You know, Perth is a wonderful place to bring up kids. I had my family over there. Mum was around the corner. So it was really fantastic. But I got to the stage where I was really itching to work again. And there was no grocery industry. And I went, I really need to recreate myself. You know, what? what's next? And uh, it was actually over a game of cards with my girlfriends. I used to play cards. We play a game called Joe. And it was an opportunity for the girls to get together and we'd have a natter for four or five hours while we played cards. And they were raving about these really ridiculously cheap massages that they were having. And I was like, what are you women talking about? And they were talking about picking up Scoopon um, deals. So beginning at the group buying industry here in Australia and uh, I watched this with real interest and went, this is really interesting. This is really it was a clever ma- it was a really clever model in the beginning I thought although it's changed it- now but and, and I actually did the PR for the launch of Scoopon weirdly enough from my agency a hundred million years oh. ago um, I got to know the Leibovich brothers quite well but um, what was I going to say about Scoopon was that it was it was just I thought really clever because it was one deal a day now it's like jump on and the 60,000 and you kind of get lost. But when it was one deal and either grab it or don't grab it, it worked yeah, so well. Yeah, so, so I was like, this is so interesting. But to me, no one was really catering for mums and the family market. And I went, there's yep. a real opportunity here. And um, I went, you know, I'm 39. I've got three kids. I've got mounting financial commitments. Uh, it's now or never. Like it's going to, uh, I'm, I don't, you know, I'm just going to have to do something. So I had no professional networks in Perth. Everyone knew me as a mum in the park. So, and I didn't have the money to launch. So I started having a number of awkward coffees on St. George's Terrace and pitching my idea. I had to capital raise and I had no idea how right. you do that. Um, but I learned pretty quickly. And um, within six months, I had uh, secured four investors. And I had launched my first business, which was Bubbler, and it was a family deal site. It was catering, and and you had four had backers. Four backers. And they weren't just family and friends. You actually went out and found so that um, money. one of them. Um, I was having a number of awkward coffees, and I really wasn't getting too far. <laughs> and I went, I really have to just changed tact, but I was really determined that this is what I was going to do. And uh, I engaged a consultant who was actually a dad at the school um, that I went to, and I brought him in to do some IT work for me in creating the website, in preparing to create the website. And he went, this is absolutely fantastic. Um, he said, I want in. So he invested in and he brought in one of um, his uh, his business associates and then there was the opportunity for me. It just gave me a bit more confidence to kind of go out and have And I think it gives other investors confidence too once they know that you've got one yep. investor. The, the risk is sort of mitigated for some bizarre Yeah, so reason. I then felt, felt more confident in having a few more of those awkward coffees. You know, I, I kind of had worked out a bit uh, what to do and what not to do and I secured a further two uh, investors and then um, we launched within six months and as, a, as I said earlier, I grew that to a community of 150,000 mums and I sold that business in 2016. That, can I just say, though, what a huge, huge success and massive congratulations for doing that. 150,000 
I mean, even now is huge, but back then was ginormous, really, for you to get that many people And for me, I never spent more than $300 a month on marketing because I doubled down on marketing partnerships and collaborating. Um, And in my last 18 months of owning that business, I didn't uh, spend any money on marketing at all. I literally just doubled down on marketing partnerships. So for me, I really learned through that business just the power of partnerships and working collaboratively and it's something yeah because that's an amazing stat to say that you only spent three hundred dollars a month is is incredible really considering what you did so who how did you sell it uh i engaged a business broker um, and worked with them um in terms of uh finding um you know putting market. Um, And I did that because in 2015, so the year before I sold it, I started up a new business and I started up marketing to mums. And I created that business because what I saw with my bubbler community was that they were increasingly frustrated with the way brands were speaking to them and communicating. And at the same time, uh, Bubbler actually did a lot of advertising for other brands and sharing uh, sales and things like that. And what I would receive, the copy from these brands, I would go, this is just not going to fly. And I was really surprised that it didn't matter how small or how big the brand was, that they really struggled with understanding how to attract mum's attention and convert her to a sale. And that for me, I really felt again, there was that gap in the market. And I couldn't agree yeah. with you more. I mean, at the time we were specialising in parenting PR and it was the same thing. It was just this constant thing from the mums saying no one's speaking to us correctly, like no one's speaking to us in a way that makes any sense to us. No one's really understanding our situation. Um, so there was a massive, massive opportunity for brands to kind of become savvy about how to speak to these huge decision makers who are spending all the money. Yeah, absolutely. So I actually went out to them and I did a survey and we surveyed uh, about 18, just over 1,800 mums within the community and uh, it was overwhelming. 63% of them said advertisers and brands just don't understand us. I went, okay, there's a real opportunity here and I had launched that business and at the same time I I was running Bubbler as well and um, I found that the focus of running both of those at the same time and the time required for both was just too significant. So um, I really felt that there was a, a, a really big opportunity in marketing to mum. So I went all in there. I think there's a great lesson in that, actually, that I just think we'll, we'll I just want to focus on because, well, and there's the word focus, that um, when I was younger and first going out as an entrepreneur, I got very excited by a whole lot of different things. And I had my PR agency and I had an envelope brand that was in Officeworks and products here. And I was spotting things all the time going, oh, my God, I want to do it. And I remember someone saying to me, in fact, a few few guys saying to me, you've got to focus, you can't split it because what you're doing is diluting everything rather than focusing. And I was like, rubbish, no, no, no. You know, if one doesn't work, I want other ones to back it up. And really it took me probably five, maybe even 10 years of doing it before I went, no, they're right. And when you do 
sell one, get rid of one and focus on the next one. It just gives you that laser focus on the one thing rather than kind of diluting it across a whole lot. But it's a hard thing to do to let go of one to move on to another. It is. And that's why I had a lot of reluctance with um, uh, bringing partnership mastery to life because it was like I already know from my prior experience holding two businesses and two brands um, at once can can be difficult and it can add complexity. So just just we were talking about. So there was always a little bit of reluctance, which is why I've quietly been running these programs for a couple of years. But uh, it was the groundswell and the demand and the enjoyment that I was getting out of it. Um, And it made me have a look at what systems in place that can help me and by building my team as well, that will allow me to have those two focuses at once. Lovely. Now, let's talk a little bit about New York and marketing to mums before we get onto the mastery, though, because you, I know you have that passion and I have seen it on uh, Facebook and LinkedIn when you go over there, but you have actually launched your books in New York. Yeah, sure have. Um, so I launched uh, The Mother <laughs> of All Opportunities in October 2019 uh, in New York in front of at a big conference. Massive conference. It's actually the leading conference for people in the marketing to mom space and it's normally sponsored by Google. So it's got yeah. all my peers. Um, so they're, you know, Forbes writers, they're, um, you know, really high end brands are there as well. So it was a great opportunity for me to uh, launch my book at the event. Um, everyone who attended the event also received a copy um, and... Um, yeah. Yeah, and I also, uh, I launched, I was invited to give the opening keynote address as well. So it was, it was a really big kick, um, that, that I've had. And as, as I've shared with you, I'm really passionate about, uh, New York. So to be able to now go over each year and work there, um, is, uh, is fantastic for me, incredibly satisfying and really, um, fills up my cup. Oh, that's so great. Have you ever, thought about moving I am. In? Grand I am. No, and... no, very much. Oh, Yeah, so me. I've got three teenagers now. They're 13, yep. 15 and 17. And uh, my husband and I have been very upfront uh, with them that uh, when the 13-year-old finishes high school, we'll be looking at uh, heading over for a little while. How long that will be, we're not sure. But I'm very much um, structuring my business such that I can be uh, can be mobile. Oh, I love it. I just love it. So uh, talk to me about um, the transition then from marketing to mums to the partnerships and when when and why that happened and what your plans are now with the the partnerships then because you've got a course and are you going to do a book? Oh, Jules, of course I'm going to do a book. <laughs> um, but I will say I find that the writing the book can take uh, a lot of energy out from me. So um, I tend to not write a book for is generally every three years. So it's it's certainly on the on the on the horizon. But I launched my last book in two thousand and nineteen. So, you know, I've I've got a little bit of time for Yeah, you have. And you you are a master of writing books. Okay. So um now let's talk a little bit uh, about any women that have helped you along the way. I I just like to ask this question because this is She's the Boss, it's about women and it's about lifting other women up. So one of the questions that I like to ask is, have there been any significant women that have helped you on your journey that you'd like to do a shout out and tell us a little bit about? Yeah, absolutely. So straight up, my family grew up with very strong females. Um, 
You, your mum sounds There's incredible. three of them. So, uh, so uh, I've got two aunties as well, and and they've been um, of great um, support of of whatever I do. Um, I would also say my collaboration partners. So in my bubbler days, and and you know ever since, so over the past ten years, I have had the opportunity to collaborate with some amazing women. And when I shared that first story with you about the uh, first joint competition that I ran. That was actually yeah. with a fellow She's the Boss uh, um, podcast interviewee, and that was Belinda oh. Jennings from... Um, oh, yes, so, Belinda. Uh, that, that was one. And the other one uh, was Jodie from Stay at Home Mum. So it was Jodie, Belinda and I that ran that very first uh, collaboration that I ever did that really has now oh, me on a, on a whole new path. So certainly there are there are many women in the parenting industry around Australia who ha- are now building some amazingly big businesses yes. um, that excites me no end. And it was so satisfying having the opportunity to build my business up alongside them. Um, so without question, that has been incredibly satisfying and, and there have been some really inspiring women. More recently, I have a, a team, I've got an accountability team, and we are four amazing women all with you are, all of you. I think I've interviewed all of you, all actually. Very, very different businesses, um, but we act almost like um, an advisory board to each other's businesses. And, uh, you know, we present our plans for the year and, um, you know, we give very honest um, counsel to each other and, and, and hold each other accountable for what it is that we're trying to achieve in our business. And that has been incredibly um, helpful for me as well. And who are those women? Are you going to well, share Kate that with Christie, us? Well, Kate Christie. Yes, Star. the time. Sam Elam uh, from yeah, and Anushka Ganganen as well, who I believe has also been on the show. Oh, yeah, Anushka's amazing. And she's now the CEO of the Australia yeah, Chamber India of Commerce. Chamber of Commerce as well as running her fantastic business, which is all around um, cultural oh, diversity. Um, oh. Oh, cultural intelligence. Thank you. Cultural intelligence. <laughs> no. I love Anushka and her story was incredible as well. Um, So can you talk to me about along the way, have there been some pivotal moments, normally a challenge, something that might have gone wrong, but that makes you change direction and you look back afterwards and you go, I'm actually really grateful that happened. Oh, okay. Geez, there's there's always lots. I know, I know there are, but is there one you can Business tell us about? This is always, always about learning. I guess one of the things, if we come back to um, uh, those collaborations that I've been talking about throughout, I did one where I didn't do my homework and I didn't really check on the prospective partner that I was going to do this collaboration with. Right. And uh, we ran a joint competition. And after the competition finished, um, uh, they went out and spammed daily with emails out to in- Oh, no. And my community, absolutely, like that wasn't in keeping with the way that I communicated with them at all. And they certainly let me know. And that was a really great lesson to learn really early on. So that probably happened in about my third third year of business. And I just went, okay, note to self, key learning here, 
always do your homework and do uh, and qualify um, each of your prospective partners before you know you ever make an approach or you agree to do anything. I was just caught on the hop. The opportunity came up, and I really didn't pre-qualify it. So that's something that I do with my students now is that we very much we we pre-qualify all of those prospects before we would ever make a make a an. an yeah, that's a great idea because because they might have the perfect audience or they might have the perfect community that, or the perfect product, but that doesn't mean that, you know, as you say, ethically and morally, you're on the same wavelength. So really good advice. Um, okay, talk to me about work and life when you've got one and a half businesses, two businesses, whatever you've got, and three teenagers and a husband. Do you compartmentalize it and say, okay, weekends and after six are for the kids or does it all kind of merge into each other a bit? I have to be honest. It does it does merge a lot. I'm never far from my laptop. Um, it's a bit of a laughing joke. Um, 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 and In the family. Like, oh, not the laptop because I will only carry it on hand luggage where we travel anywhere because I'm terrified that it might go missing. Um, so, um, but I do, I'm a, much better with boundaries uh, the longer I've been in business. And I think that that just yeah. comes with it, with experience. Um, but I, um, I really enjoy what I do, I have to say. So a lot of it's hard when it's a passion. It's really not work. Is just, it? So, you know, I'm like that with my phone. I'm never off my phone checking email. Well, one of the things that I've done uh, with my phone is I can't actually download emails at all. Um, I, um, yeah, I only had that available on my computer and I've done that purely for boundaries. And I probably did that about five years ago and have never looked back because I was getting fairly easily distracted and I wanted to make sure that I was a bit more present with my kids when, it, when, uh, when I was with them. Oh, that's a clever little tip. I, I wouldn't have thought of that, but then I guess that's why you're taking your laptop everywhere with you. <laughs> for me, it's like, oh, my God, if I lost my phone. Okay, last question. Well, second last question. Is there a quirky fact about you that most people don't know that you'd be up for sharing? <laughs> I love this question. It's so out there. Okay. Um, okay. I'm powered by chai. Absolutely live on chai. Um, I adore avocados and would eat a minimum of one a day. It's my most. Oh, one a day. Wow. Yeah, yeah, my most expensive habit. And I love vintage muscle cars. So I'm very... You're not serious. Yeah, no. That is not my image of you at all. I love old cars. And um, I'm turning 50 this year, and it has always been on my agenda to have a fabulous Sunday driving car. Um to enjoy. So I'm a big fan of the Mustang Fastbacks, but I'd do an old Corvette or a, you know, <laughs> narrow. Um, but I do. You've kind of blown my mind. That is, that, that's, that is a great quirky fact I never would have thought about you. So we could, we could see you in a hotted up 70s something or other. I can't even name without the names because I don't question, know them. Without <laughs> That's so funny. My boyfriend is the same. And we keep, whenever we pull up at a petrol station and there's a muscle car or there's some kind of, I was going to say renovated, but reconditioned or whatever they are, cars, he jumps out of the car and runs over to have chats with the owner. And can I have a look inside and how many, you know, miles does it do on petrol or whatever? It's so funny. I can't believe you're the well, same. Well, I used to share a house with a, a gorgeous girlfriend who is a, a model. She'd been a model in, in Europe and we would spend, you know, Saturday nights pouring over unique car magazines. <laughs> 
Well, there you go. There's something I didn't know. Okay, um, and I'm guessing that if you haven't got email on your phone, maybe your phone isn't your favourite thing, but I always, because I'm obsessed with mine, like to ask the question, are there any apps that you use for business on your phone outside of, you know, social media and email, I was going to say, but have you found any clever apps that you use? Uh, look, I would say probably I'm all about professional learning and um I love business books. I really do. So um, now what I do because I have got so many friends that are authors is I use Audible. So when I walk a lot and I love the idea of someone reading me a story, um, so I'll often use that time for uh, listening to a book. Um, and learning when I'm when I'm looking. yep audible that is a very good so one. that's probably one but no I'm probably the the most used one that I would use for business on my phone is going to be my banking app I just can't believe the simplicity of doing banking. Uh, Can I just say to that note that even to this day it amazes me that the banks haven't smartened up their websites somehow because the apps are so much easier to yep. use. It's it's weird, yep. isn't it? No, the- you know, they've gone old school on online, you know, on your laptop or, or on the web, and yet your apps, I can do everything in two seconds. Yeah, look, absolutely. And we did a study on this, actually. Oh, did you? What did you well, find? Well, Marketing to Mums, we had, a, we had a look at this, I think it was probably back in 2016, but uh, the most used app by by women is actually a banking app because it's it's so functional and convenient. And and then when I've now done three different banks, three banks, uh, Westpac, um, oh, I can't even remember. Anyway, I've done three different, and they're all of different levels. Let me tell you, like the Bendigo Bank one is shite. Oh, okay. I actually found it so hard to use, whereas I'm in love with my Westpac. Okay. Then I moved to NAB, that's what it was, and, and NAB Connect, and that was a bit of a nightmare as well. So it's interesting to see how they've all developed. Well, I'm apps. with ComBank, and they're fabulous. And you love it. <laughs> well, look, Katrina, thank you so much, so, so much for this interview. If people want to get hold of you or they want to do their course, what's the best way for them to do yeah, that? Yeah, look, absolutely. You can head over to the partnershipmastery.global website. Otherwise, I'd love you to reach out. Um, either um, Even my personal Facebook profile, I'm Katrina Koo McCarter on that. Um, just mention Koo with a K. Yeah, Koo with a K, um, yep. That's my nickname. Um, so if you wanted to, um, you, you know, uh, like me there or DM me. Yep, and you're on LinkedIn as Absolutely, well. Absolutely, I'm on LinkedIn. And if anyone gets really stuck, they can ask me and I'll, I'll introduce you. <laughs> I'll email. I'm Katrina at katrinamakata.com. Fantastic. Well, listen, thank you so much for this great chat, for sharing your story, which has been fabulous. And I love that quirky fact now that you like muscle cars. I don't think I'm ever going to forget that. And um, your course sounds incredible. It's exactly what people need. So I imagine that yet again, you've hit the nail on the head and this is going to go off. Well, it's a lot of fun. And I know that it gets results for people. So that that has mutual gain. So in itself, um, it's a winner for me. Great. Well, thank you so much for the interview. Thanks very much, Jules. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of She's the Boss Chats. For more information and to find out about our other initiatives, including our weekly lunch for female founders and our TV show, go to she'stheboss.com.au. 